but I want you to know what I am. I am a witch. My name's Kiki, and I'm a witch. You a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> come see, come see. She's worse than the other one. Bonnie and Maude presents All of Them Witches, hosted by Xenia Yarosh and Eleanor Kagan. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. This was recorded on October 13th, 2014, at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. We presented All of Them Witches, a one-night-only live variety show that explored portrayals of witches and witchcraft in pop culture, film, and television. Hi, this is Ksenia Yarosh. And this is Eleanor Kagan. So this was the third live variety show that Ksenia and I have put on as Bonnie and Maude. And at these live shows, we pick a very broad topic. We invite a bunch of people to come and talk about it, to delve into it, uh, and the way that a certain topic is portrayed in pop culture, film, and television. Naturally for this show, taking place in October, the theme was witches. And witchcraft and women and uh, magic. (laughs) I feel like we barely scratched the surface in this show, but we covered a lot. It was a little bit chronological. I started the show by talking about Bewitched, which is a which is a, a favorite show of mine from childhood, which is ugh. I will just say that around <laughs> the time of putting on the show, every time anyone used the word witch, W H I C H, as like a transitional word, Cassini would be like, uh uh-huh. Witch. Did, Did you get it? You get it? Yeah, except now I'm just rolling my eyes at myself. Anyway, we started with Bewitched, uh, which is a 60s show about a witch married to a normal human man. I take issue with the word normal, but so (laughs) get ready and enjoy all of them witches. This is not a dream. This is really happening. Welcome to all of them witches. I'm Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Ksenia Yarosh. I'm so happy you're all here. I wanted to do a little kind of like icebreaker with you guys, I guess. I know like icebreaker has a bad rap, but this will be fun. So on the count of three, I would love for all of you to shout the name of your favorite witch or your favorite witch movie, right? On the count of three, I know you're very excited. I am too. All right, you guys, everyone has a witch in their head or a witch movie? Yes? All right, ready? Someone who really inspires you. It can be embarrassing. It's okay. Mine's super nerdy. All right, one, two, three. Samantha. Awesome. I feel like we have this, like, energy amongst us now, and we're all sort of, like... In a dialogue. Well, I was speaking to an audience member earlier, and he was saying how, like, there's such great vibes here that it's almost like we created our own coven, (laughs) which makes me feel really good. Yeah, me too. And the thing about witches is, like, the further we delved into it, the more we thought about it. Like, you know, we usually do kind of an intro running through some of the major Mm, themes, types, but really there's so many kinds of witches. There's so much to talk about about witchcraft history, like real witchcraft history. Like we know 
real witches, the like dark, witches. Dark history. And we're not going to try to cover that all tonight because there's just too much to go through. So we're mainly focusing on the way that witches are being portrayed in pop culture and film and television and evaluating those. Are they good representations of witches? Are they bad representations of witches? How close are they to witches that you all know in your what lives? What does a good versus bad witch even mean? So those are some of the questions we're going to be attempting to answer. We all have, you know, history with witchcraft. You know, every one of us, I think, does. Um, so that's me at age seven. Um, for Halloween, I was dressed as a witch. Uh, note the hat, note the broom. My mom stitched that costume. She made it from scratch. Um, she put a wart on my face and uh, made my eyebrows really I kind that of was like... a beauty mark. <laughs> sure. I got Joan Crawford eyebrows and everything. And um, then I went to school, and this is my second grade teacher, Miss Waller. Um, she read us The Witches by Roald Dahl. Yeah. This book scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Did you guys love it? I don't know. I it love was that so book. scary. <laughs> it was terrifying. I had to be taken out of the room. This is true. Um, but that kind of kicked I'm glad off. you're so comfortable now that we can talk about witches. I know. You're okay. It's okay. I'll hold your hand through the whole Thank show. Thank you. I've had a really weird fascination with horror where, like, women tend to scare me the most in horror movies, which is clearly something I will, like, work out in therapy eventually. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Like, the woman that pops out of the diner in uh, Mulholland Drive, or like, do you remember all the creepy drawings that Stephen Gamel did for the scary stories to tell in the dark books? Yes. Weren't the women the scariest with their scraggly hair and like well, their and the weird warts that turned into a spider nest? That was the first one. <laughs> I loved those books. Yeah, so I dealt with a lot of personal issues while researching for this show. But you know, I, I wonder why women, and then why did they scare me? But I'm fascinated by them. Then I discovered Buffy. Yeah. And Willow is like the greatest human witch to ever exist. And that made me very happy. And suddenly I saw that witches could be super cool. What about you, Ksenia? Um, I, well, when thinking about the show, it was like, what is a witch even? Like, what are the parameters of witchcraft? Because, you know... How much magic is required? Like, is Matilda, you know, from Roald Dahl as well, is she a witch? What about, like, Alex Mack from that Nickelodeon show? Like, she turns into liquid. Like, what, how, and I think for a long time, like, in witch history, it was the accusers who were pinpointing who the witches were. Um, and what's interesting when we started watching these films in preparation for the show is like, there's almost always a moment where the woman is like, I am a witch. <laughs> and I think that's a really interesting transformation and the taking ownership. This is what I can do and I am a witch. Yeah, women using magic in film is awesome. I mean, and it also winds up commenting a lot on female power and what that means and what it can be used for, for better or worse. I mean, obviously, film can be rife with stereotype. Often, it can be very illuminating in strange ways. I mean, rewatching movies like Rosemary's Baby or even Carrie or even The Exorcist, 
it all seems to be, you know, adult fear of teen girls or, uh, you know, looking at a woman and trying to control her and her having to sort of figure out how to rise above that. Uh, so this is what really interests me, I think, about witch movies, even though they can be scary. Uh, but I can get past that if it's a theme I can really dig into. Um, all this talk about witch representation reminds me of a clip from Bewitched. So enjoy, and then Ksenia is going to come back and dig more deeply into this. Wonderful. What's that? It's a Halloween witch for a billboard. Well, it's not quite finished yet. I thought I'd put another wart here. Aaron, how could you? You of all people, you should know better. That's the kind of thing we're trying to fight. That's the way most people think witches look. Don't split hairs. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going to hang by my feet from a beam in the attic and cackle at the moon. What's the matter with you? Are you serious about this? Of course I am. How would you like it if you were always being represented as something different? Well, let's face it, darling, you are a little different. Darren, please. When we see those little children running around on Halloween with blacked out teeth and warts, well, don't you understand? It hurts. Does it really mean that much to you, Sam? Of course it does. I remember when I was a child, Mother and I used to leave the country so you wouldn't have to look at those ugly masks. It was horrible. I knew you'd understand. I understand perfectly, darling. Uh, what I love about that clip is that none of you laughed because really, if you take away the laugh track, it's a pretty dramatic scene. Bewitched, um, for those of you unfamiliar, is a show that ran for eight seasons from 1964 to 1972. It starred the very charming Elizabeth Montgomery as Samantha, a witch, Dick York later to be replaced by Dick Sargent as her mortal, bumbling ad man husband, Darren, and Agnes Moorhead as Andorra, her colorful <laughs> trickster mother who often tried to undermine or test, depending on how you look at things, the marriage. Uh, when I originally watched the show in the 90s, it was in reruns on Nick at Night, long after its heyday of being a tremendous hit in the mid-60s. It is near and dear to my heart because it was one of the first few shows that I was really obsessed with um, after coming to America when I was 10. I loved Lucy most of all, but there was something magical about Samantha that I could not resist. Lucy was a clown who was not afraid to be bold, but Samantha was more subtle, introverted. Her jokes were quips and a raised eyebrow, not chocolate stuffed in her cheeks. Also, it appealed to my love of relationship drama. Most of the stories, uh, most of the story arcs are fights that Darren and Samantha have and like the different ways that they work things out in the end. And maybe part of it was also about being a foreigner. Much of the conflict that arises between her and Darren has to do with the fact that she comes from a different culture, a different world, a different time even. She's implied to be hundreds of years old. I eventually embrace my oddities, uh, but being a preteen at the time, watching a woman try to hide her differences that could be revealed at any moment, felt familiar. I hadn't watched Bewitched in many years, uh, but took another look at the first two seasons specifically for the show. You watch all kinds of weird garbage when you're a kid, so I was afraid. 
uh, I was really worried that um, it would be terribly sexist to my current 30-year-old married self. After all, watching a TV husband tell his wife, don't use your magic, doesn't feel quite so hefty to a kid as to a grown woman, though even then I wondered why she didn't leave him. <laughs> Reviewing the show now, some elements stood out to me. Samantha often says that she wants to be a good and normal housewife for Darren, most frequently in response to her mother's questions as to why she gave up magic. But she struggles with many aspects of it. She's not a very good cook. Um, she's bad at gardening. Um, and she often has to resort to magic in order to complete the tasks she needs to. It's a pretty good illustration that being a housewife isn't all that easy. Secondly, even though most of her time is spent at home, Bewitched incorporated at least civ three civic development plot lines in the first season. She was a housewife, but she also had political views and did what she could to improve her community. Third, as much as they fight, I find Darren and Samantha's relationship believably cozy and lovable. There's something sweet about their interaction, and it transcends the wacky premise on which the show is set. And at the end of every episode, there's a reminder of how much they love and respect each other. And Dora, Samantha's mother, is repulsed by the fact that Samantha chooses to be a housewife and does not use her magic to travel the world and live lavishly. At times, Endora veers too far in the direction of the evil mother-in-law stereotype, but ultimately I see her as an amplified version of every mother um, who wants the best for her daughter and thinks she knows what's best. And that's sort of the issue of the show for me, that while there's some real truth at the core of every story, any progressive themes still only come in flashes and are rarely drawn through to an interesting conclusion. I have four examples. One, in season one, episode four, Samantha is groped by one of Darren's clients and turns the guy into a dog. His name is Rex Barker, get it? Uh, uh, you're just a wife, he's a livelihood, Darren says as he panics about the account. Eventually the groper is returned back into human form, but with a silly poodle-like hairdo. The laugh track roars. Darren does punch the guy and quits his job temporarily, as an act of valor, but there are no real consequences for the pervert who will no doubt strike again. Example two, Samantha writes some copy for another one of Darren's clients, but he thinks it's too good to be real. He doesn't want to use what he assumes are her magical ideas because he feels it would be like cheating. When the client ultimately rejects the pitches, Darren is relieved. In the end, Samantha subliminally pitches him another slogan that is a success um, to protect his ego. She lets him think it's his idea. Her mother calls her out on it, but it still makes me sad that she doesn't get the credit she deserves. Three. I was especially excited about this one. Uh, because when it started, Samantha convinces her nosy neighbor, Gladys Kravitz, that she's actually the one with the magical powers, not Samantha. It was so cool. Gladys could not be happier, and I was eager to see where the empowerment would take her. Not far. There's a spooky seance, and then she gives up her mad 
Gladys gives up her imagined powers because she fears she can't control them after her husband is transformed into a pile of dirt. <laughs> the plot point com is completely forgotten by the next episode, but to me it accentuates how powerless Gladys feels throughout the show when she's watching Samantha do her magic. Final example. Endora places a spell on Darren that mirrors Samantha's pregnancy aches and pains. He learns his lesson, but not before we zoom through a bunch of stereotypes where he cries and he almost loses his job because of his intense craving for pickles. The episode isn't as satisfying as I would have liked, but the key element of it still led me to my conclusion about the show overall. It's about empathy. The more I thought about Bewitched, the more I realized that it didn't really matter that the show wasn't explicitly feminist. That wasn't really the point. What Bewitched and I Love Lucy did better than any other show at that time was present a smart, interesting woman at the center of a deceptively familiar sitcom setting with numerous supporting female characters for them to interact with. Is it annoying that Samantha spends so much time at home doing chores and instead of having a career pursuing hobbies? Sometimes. But that's why we have Endora to point it out. To me, Endora and Samantha are illustrations of the debate that was beginning to snowball throughout the 60s among many American women. Should we stay at home or join the workforce? Should we marry, stay on our own, or simply live with our partners without the paperwork? It was a decade of women expanding their choices, and by putting more women on the screen, Bewitched visualized some of those options, but also started to teach American public how to identify with a female lead. When you look at the top 10 shows of the early 60s, the only ones that revolve around a central female character are Lassie, which starred several, several male dogs, and Hazel, about a maid. By 63, there was also the Donna Reed and Patty Duke shows. By the time we reached the mid-80s, the top 10 shows include Family Ties, Cosby Show, Murder, She Wrote, Cheers, Dallas, Golden Girls, and Who's the Boss? All shows that feature one, or better yet, multiple lead female characters. So ultimately, when I rewatched episodes of Bewitched, I'm no longer asking myself, is, this plot, is the plot of this episode conveying a feminist message? I think about the tremendous job the women of Bewitched did, bringing a little bit of witchcraft into America's living rooms and transforming the types of characters we expect to see on the screen today. Thank you. Peace.
We were so lucky to have the fabulous AK, Brooklyn-based singer, musician, songwriter, friend, as part of the show. Um, so you just heard her playing Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. In my opinion, one of the best songs ever written. Later on in the show, AK will perform a cover of Love Potion Number no. 9, a very spooky kind of moody version of Love Potion Number no. 9 that I very much enjoyed. And uh you can find out more about AK's music. She has an amazing EP out right now called How Not to Be Alone, where she's backed by a six-piece band that is on her website, which is AK, the letters A, the letter K. I'm going to say her website again, ak-ak-ak.com. So it's ak-ak-ak.com, the letter A, the letter K, like the gun. That's how you want to think about it. It's what her Twitter handle is. It's ak-yes-like-the-gun. Go out, find out more about AK. She's based in Brooklyn. If you're in Brooklyn, if you're in New York, if you're in the tri-state area, go see your play. You will not be disappointed. Visit us at bonnieandmod.com to find out about our future live events. And while you're there, you can also check out videos of all of the presenters from All of Them Witches, photos of me and Ksenia dressed up as uh, as witches and other spooky things for Halloween when we were kids. Um, lots of fun things. So go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Bonnie and Maud, or our website, bonnieandmod.com, and there's lots more there, including a montage that we put together of 75 years of witches in film. And I bet that your favorite witch will be represented there. Or your new favorite witch. Yeah.